welcome to the Found Cause, where we found our cause and serving the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm Michael Man behind the machine, and to my left is Theodore under the PC, the person and of Christ. And to his left is Sebastian the Bookkeeper. It's a triple parter. We're all in studio today, and it's kind of crowded in here, but frankly, that's fine. We look pale as ghosts, and we're about to react to an equally pale monk man from breaking the habit. Or yeah, breaking in the habit, sorry. Not breaking the habit. A Catholic from YouTube, smaller channel, way bigger than us, and we're gonna react to what he has to say about being justified by faith alone, question mark? Let's do it. All right, and just as context to anybody that is tuning in, uh, Sebastian is sort of ex-Catholic, raised Catholic. Yeah, ex-Catholic, right? Yes. What would you consider yourself? Catholic. Yes, exactly. Yes, raised Catholic. I'm total Protestant, typical Baptist boy, and what would you call yourself? No, I'm ex-Lutheran. <laughs> <laughs> Slash semi-non-denominational. <laughs> there you go. Just generic Protestant, I would think. Yeah, right. Generic yeah. conservative Protestant. All right. So with that all being said, we have many episodes on Catholics and why we do not believe they are Christians. We, we would call them not Christians. They are apostate church. They've abandoned the gospel in favor of a gospel by works. That is why they are so desperate, usually in the U.S. in particular, because it's the U.S. that has such a strong Protestant presence, to say that they don't believe in a gospel of faith and works. Um, which is what the typical Protestant uh, reaction to Catholics is. So this video is trying to make the point that really we're all Christians, aren't we? When, and need I need, need you be, um, you don't need to be upset that I'm calling them not Christians because the Catholic Church officially calls all Protestants, anybody who's not a Catholic, a non-Christian. So I've heard some Catholics say, oh, there's like a chance of salvation for you, just like they say there's a chance of salvation for like Mormons and it, it, Muslims too. Um, I think that's kind of not in line with Catholic theology, frankly. It's roughly the chance of getting the Powerball. In any case, um, <laughs> they both both of us excommunicated each other, so it's not like I'm the only one doing that to them. Without further ado, let's let, I don't know his name, breaking the habit, do his thing. Here we go. Chances are you were taught that Protestants believe that salvation is through faith alone, while Catholics believe that it comes through a combination of faith and works. Yeah. Again, that, that really is what they believe. I know, I know I'm saying that, and he's saying he's Catholic, and so I want to take his word for granted, and I don't want to just like, shove words in his mouth, but I think by the end of this episode, we'll have shown that when he thinks he's refuting the fact that they believe in faith and works, he really affirms that they do. So that, let's let him talk. Leading Catholics naturally to accuse Protestants of thinking they can do whatever they want as long as they believe, and leading Protestants to accuse Catholics of thinking that they can earn their salvation through good works. There are some Protestants um, that do believe that you can just do whatever you want. They're called anti-lordship Protestants, and we would consider them um, heretics as well. So for the record, Protestants that believe that your faith does not have to come with works are also wrong and are anti the scripture. And again, they, they don't believe in the you have to have Jesus as Lord and can be saved. And we believe that you do need to have Jesus as your Lord, that it comes with the faith. What is the title of these people that they call themselves? They call themselves um, usually free grace or um, once saved, always saved. Mm -hmm. uh, but but we would call them anti-lordship because they're anti-lordship salvation. Mm, so I they, would call them hooligans. But we do have an episode <laughs> on on this particular topic. We do, yes. So. Uh, reacting to um, one of the famous guys, Stephen Anderson, Pastor Stephen Anderson down in the South. But in any case, yes, there are Protestants who really do hold to that, but we don't. Fortunately, neither of these statements are actually true. There are Protestants who believe that, and there are certainly Catholics who believe you're justified by faith. Again, we've talked about this before, um, but South America is like a haven for insane Catholic beliefs. So the fact that Catholics like to like mull around and pretend like they're a unified church is kind of embarrassing considering all of Africa. Uh, Africa, I don't know about Africa, actually. I don't know much about African Catholicism, but South America is where um, there's some really insane heterodoxy in um, Catholic belief. Yes, that uh, any gentle 
American, probably European Catholic would call up straight idolatry, such as like robbing statues to get blessings or like crying. That happens. I mean, that happens in Europe too, but. Okay. Okay. <laughs> we would call straight up idolatry. Yeah. But in any case, definitely a lot of um, layman Catholics that believe you are justified by faith and works. You know, that's, that's how they believe it. Um, and I think theologically, the, even the high-minded theologians of Catholics really do affirm faith and works. But again, we'll let them talk. And an example of that, yeah. I also listened to earlier today, uh, Brant Petrie's um, Saved by Grace Through Faith, Not by Works on YouTube. And he repeatedly said uh, things along the lines of uh, the, the initial gift or offer of salvation is offered by God or Christ, but everything after that you basically earn. And I suppose we shouldn't give that analogy <laughs> from the chat. Never mind. Yes. Well, I, the, the thing is, um, to say that Jesus pays for just your original sin is the whole problem, right? Like that's what the rejection of the gospel is: to say that Jesus only pays for a portion of your sin, because that would be wrong. That would be a rejection, right? That would be the equivalent of the Galatians verse that the Protestants, this is where we come with the whole, if you don't believe in salvation by faith alone, you're anathema. It's because Paul says that in the Galatians. He says to the Jews who are trying to be justified by Jesus and circumcision in this case, uh, that they're cut off from the law. And he doesn't say you who are trying to mix circumcision and salvation, which he could have, because that would have been specific to his circumstance. No, he makes it broader application and says in 3.10 and in 5.4, Galatians, um, that you who are trying to be justified by the law, apart from work, are, are, are separated from Christ. You are fallen from faith. So you have to be justified by faith alone, apart from works of the law, which is, again, what he reiterates in Romans um, and is, is put throughout the Gospels. This is the message of Christ, that you don't earn your way to heaven, that you are called to have him as your Lord and to obey him, right? And when Jesus gives the Great Commission, he says, go and make disciples of all the nations, practice them, teaching them to do everything that I have taught you. Uh, all the commands that I've taught you, whatever your translation is. But so, so we do believe it's the Christian message, the Christian gospel to obey Christ, but your obedience is not what saves you. You know, your, your repentance, though it is required for salvation, is actually not what saves you. God's cho choosing of you, his application of his blood on you, his indwelling of his Holy Spirit in you, that is what saves you. So that comes with repentance, absolutely. Anybody who teaches that you don't need to repent is also anathema. Equally, for people who say you don't have to have Jesus as your Lord, that's anathema, that's heresy, right? But those things don't save you. So while he says repent and believe and be saved, right, the repentance and the belief are actually consequences of God's choosing and softening of your heart. So it's God that saves people, not man. As Ephesians 2, 8 through 10 says, for by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is God's gift, not from works so that no one can boast. And then at 10, which is a less commonly quoted passage, it says, for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works. Yes, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So again, God is the one doing these works, preparing you to do good works. So yet you will do good works. God ordained good works. And he knew exactly what works you're going to do. He's the one that chose you. Your faith and your um, grace are both gifts of God. So it's a grace from God and it's a faith given to you by God. So neither is from your hand. And therefore, again, you are not justified by your works. You're not justified. You're required to do them, but you're not justified by them. And that's the distinction. And it's an important distinction because, again, Paul makes it a gospel distinction in Galatians. And I'll just bring up Philippians 1, verse 6 right now. Uh, Paul says, For I am confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. Yep. So again, emphasizing the fact that God 
is the one that is starting the phase and that he will <laughs> finish it. So this isn't a, like he starts it, but you finish it. Like, like you were just quoting um, the Peachtree guy as, as saying yeah. that God starts it, but you finish it. No, God starts it and God finishes it, right? Just as Philippians says. And I might as well do uh, Hebrews 12. Do it. <laughs> One to two now. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, which is saying we are to look to um, the author and perfecter or the initiator and completer or the pioneer and finisher of our faith. That's a whole bunch of different translations. So looking to God, who is the initiator and completer of our faith. Right. And again, emphasizing that exact same thing, right? That God not only started it, but also ends it. So God, when Jesus paid for sin, he didn't just pay for your original sin and leave the rest up to you to be purged in purgatory or to be to be washed away through penance. We work for rewards here. So it's not like our work isn't rewarded here on earth, but it's not a matter of salvation. It does not actually lay sin on you when you sin here anymore because you've been washed by the Holy Spirit. So yes, we should not sin. It's evil, right? We should be striving towards righteousness and being sanctified by the Holy Spirit. We are changing, right? God is changing our hearts of uh, stone to hearts of flesh. That's part of the sanctification process. So with that, he's we're really preloading here for some of his arguments but um, so we agree with a lot of principles he says here but they aren't the means to salvation to justification and that is the key difference mm-hmm. and again you might think that's a small thing oh who cares if it's sanctification or justification that we both believe you have to do good works yes but paul the apostle paul makes a distinction in galatians that those who believe they're being justified by their works are anathema. They're cut off from the law. That's not the gospel. And so we would say the same thing. Catholics who believe they are justified by their works are not Christians. Even if they believe you need Jesus first, it's not Christianity. It is a heresy. So with that being said, let's let him speak. We do this all the time. (laughs) It's only like a nine minute video. Let's go. But are rather misinterpretations that come when we try to oversimplify a highly technical theological question. There's certainly some truth in this often repeated distinction of faith and works, but only in a general, shorthanded, and sort of lazy sense that doesn't do justice to either side's position and overlooks the joint declaration Lutherans and Catholics made in 1999. So, I'd like to point out, by the way, because he's going to reference that, the Lutherans and Catholics joint declaration, it's like a like silly German Lutheran sect, so it's kind of the liberal, sad Lutherans that are left in Germany, and those are the ones that made this joint declaration with the Catholics that basically is exactly what they... Um, agreed on in the Reformation times too. It's basically just a refutation of Pelagianism, which both the Catholic Church and Lutheran churches disagree on, uh, or they disagree with, right? They both disagree with Pelagianism, but that does not actually get at the core Reformation issue, which is what are you justified by? What do we actually believe about justification? This is Catholicism in Focus. This is how we get views, guys. We get a cool animation. The Council of Trent defines justification, and Protestants would agree, as a translation from that state wherein man is born a child of the first Adam to the state of grace and of the adoption of the sons of God through the second Adam, Jesus Christ, our Savior. In the simplest of terms... Yeah, we all agree with that. Like I said, Protestants agree. That's just a general statement of what Jesus has done. What we're essentially dealing with here is a question of how we go from being separated from God, deserving of hell, to being with God, worthy of heaven. Now, how does it work, and when does it take place? For both Catholics and Protestants like Martin Luther, The starting point is the same. We both accept that humanity has fallen from grace and there is nothing that we can do in ourselves to merit it back. And I'm glad. That's the doctrine of original sin, right? That we've fallen from grace, we're there in um, darkness. That's that's what we both agree on. That's what the Lutherans and the Catholics ended up agreeing on in this latest statement. They always did. This was never a question, right? It's just Pelagianism. All that has been done is take that Pelagianism. Right. That's all he's he's actually going to say it. 
Unlike Pelagius, who argued that we possess within ourselves the mean to merit our own salvation, both Catholics and Protestants recognize that our sin has left our wills damaged and that we require the grace of God to choose the good. Nothing, not good works, not prayer, not even faith can cause our salvation. From our human nature alone, we are wholly and entirely doomed. Not even faith can, you, you won't have saving faith if you aren't regenerated. I don't really understand what he's getting at there. He's saying even not even faith will save you apart from God's, but he's the one that gives you the faith, whatever, but got it. Of course, we are not entirely on our own as God reaches out to each and every one of us. Okay. This would be part of our problem. Now, is this really like a Catholic distinction? No, I mean, there's some Protestants that also would say that God universally gives out, or at least to a vast majority of people, he gives this provenient grace, just enough grace to allow you to choose him. But here's the, the problem with that. And so for my Protestant, I don't think this is the gospel issue. It is about the gospel, but I don't think this is the anathema thing. This doesn't cut you off. Um, when God initiates something in you, like Theodore just quoted from, from Hebrews, he finishes that, right? He doesn't start something and then not end it, right? He extends grace to you, but then he's like, ah, uh, well, you had your shot, but you didn't come to me, so bye, right? He didn't think he was going to save you and then not save you. He washes you in the blood of Christ, and then you're washed. The work is done, right? He, he's, set, he's set in motion all the things he will do. He wrote your name in the book of life. So there's nobody that he extends provenient grace to be saved that doesn't get saved. That's what we would claim. Mm -hmm. So that's the problem here with the next logical leaps he makes is that God does not extend a saving grace to everyone because he doesn't save everyone. We know that, right? We know that Judas wasn't saved. We know that um, the Antichrist and the, the beast, the false prophet, will be thrown into the pits of hell with Satan from Revelation. So we know that there are people who are not saved, and therefore God clearly doesn't save everyone. So it's not universalism. There are some Catholics who believe in universalism. There's plenty of whack nut protestants that we would reject that also believe in universalism but we would reject that we'd hope you would too as a conservative catholic and so believing that god will judge sinners in hell when he extends grace to somebody he saves them therefore he does not extend grace to everyone he doesn't extend salvific provenient grace to everyone offering us the grace to remove our sins and offer us eternal life God seeks to make us righteous, and so through God's initiative, not ours, we can be saved. So far, we're all on the same page. The Roman Catholic Church, Martin Luther, and many other Protestant groups are all still friends. Yep. For now. While we can all agree that justification is an act of being forgiven and made righteous in the eyes of God, there is sharp disagreement on- I mean, I say yep, but even the Lutherans, these days everybody's got their own opinions, right? So Lutherans change their opinions all the time, just like any other group, but um, Traditional Lutherans from the very beginning did not believe that God gave provenient grace to everyone. So when he says everybody agrees with that, that's actually wrong. That's like a weird Arminian take on it that was a later development after the Protestant Reformation. But Luther would have said that he gives it to a particular people. ...on what actually happens to us when we are justified and how we are to respond to it. For Luther, God declares us righteous and treats us differently as a result, but nothing categorically changes about who we are. What? I don't even think this is Luther's opinion, right? So, so Luther does give this analogy that he's gonna that he's gonna give about us being poop covered in snow, right? We've been justified by the blood of Christ, and therefore we've been purified on the outside, but inside we're still our flawed human beings. But the way he's describing, the way way breaking in the habit is describing it is like Luther thinks that we aren't being sanctified, which is obviously not Luther's position. If you read Luther and you read regular Protestants these days, we don't believe that God just declares us righteous but doesn't change our hearts. We believe the Ezekiel prophecy that says he takes out a heart of stone and puts in a heart of flesh, right? And that we're being conformed to the image of his son, Jesus Christ, right? And that we're being, we're doing the good works that he puts before us. So his, his view of this is not right. We are still sinful, and that's why Luther does give that analogy of us being 
poop covered in snow because we are crap. Like like us, even in our sanctifying state, because we weren't fully sanctified yet, have sin and therefore are as bad as scuvalon and as bad as poop, right? Um, but Christ covers us with, with the snow. I don't know if you had any points there. Yes. I mean, I'm getting the vibes. Clearly, he doesn't agree with Protestantism. So that's really the main straw man that people right. like to make yeah. that uh, you really don't change. You're now right. You're now declared righteous. But you're pretty much the same, implying that you can do whatever you, you can do, whatever you want. Right. You're indwelt by the Holy Spirit. You're changed. You're being sanctified. So you don't have a monopoly on that Catholic man. But let him go. We remain sinners. But God, in a sense, now chooses to overlook that and let us into communion. It's not an overlooking. I mean, it, the, Jesus died he, a horrible death. Yeah, I know. He just said that we we're all in agreement with how you're justified, or at least the, the original part, right? That he needs to act on you. So clearly, his it is some weird straw man, right? Where he says that God just overlooks sin because he doesn't. He he paid the price through Jesus Christ, right? That's what Luther says, what all Christians say, or you hope. Lutherans understand this condition of the Christian as a being at the same time righteous and sinner. Yes, because we're still being sanctified. That's why Paul also says, not just Lutherans, but Paul also says they're putting to death the flesh, right? And he calls himself the chief of sinners. Right, yes. So he's righteous. Yes, Paul, is. Right. he's been sanctified. He's been justified by God. He's being sanctified, but he still calls himself the chief of sinners. So equally, Lutherans and any Christian should consider themselves at the same time being righteous and a sinner. As First John says, whoever says they don't sin makes out God to be a liar. Right? And Catholics know they sin too, so I don't even understand what the distinction here is. Isn't that a cool juxta uh, juxtaposition of humility and pride? Saying you're righteous and a sinner? Or uh, Paul saying he's the chief of sinners. Right, he's the, he's the <laughs> top dog. Are you loser sinners out there? <laughs> yeah. I'm the chief. <laughs> Believers are totally righteous in that God forgives their sins through word and sacrament and grants the righteousness of Christ which they appropriate in faith. In Christ they are made just before God. Looking at themselves through the law, however, they recognize that they remain also totally sinners. In layman's terms, and you just can't make this stuff up, Luther is famously attributed to have said that this state of justification is like being poop covered in snow. You're still the same sinful refuse that you were before, but now with Christ, you are covered with beautiful white snow. But it's not right. So Luther didn't say you're the same as you were before. He's saying that you still have fault and therefore are as bad as poop, right? So you still are changed. Yeah, and uh, this is Luther's position, so this really is a straw man, and we, and we as Protestants hold to it too. I don't really care what Luther has to say. I care what I believe, right, what we believe. And so we believe, um, as did Luther, it just so happens, um, that you are sanctified. You're just still not perfect, right? So your state isn't good enough. And that's, that is, I mean, this is a key practical distinction with the, with the Catholic way it's lived out with Catholics, is that Roman Catholic will say that, yes, you have original sin, Yes, Jesus pays for the original sin if you get baptized and you profess belief and you repent, but you still have the poop, right? You said both, both people say you have the poop. The Catholic says you can work out the poop out of yourself so that eventually you are presentable to God when you get to heaven, right? So he like gave you the entry card, but you're still poop and you have to like, you know, absorb all the gold you can so that the poop eventually gets displaced by the gold. We would say too that you do start displacing poop with gold, right? That God is taking out that heart of flesh, taking out the heart of stone and putting in the heart of flesh. However, um, you will not become perfected until heaven, one. And two, if you come to heaven expecting to be justified by the fact that you got sanctified over your life, you would be wrong. That's not like Christ is the one that, that pays for you, not your work. So you might be getting sanctified along the way, but none of that will be what you're judged on in heaven. And if you are judged on that, you will fail, right? Because you'll still be poop. God's not going to let poop in heaven. 
Right, exactly. And also, to be precise, and I've been drilling this in my church too, who exactly is it the one who's perfecting in this life, the Holy Spirit? First Corinthians 12 addresses this, and you can see this by the Spirit is the one who gives gifts to people, to the Christians, as he deems so, meaning he is the, we're temples of the Holy Spirit, mm -hmm. the Holy Spirit gives the gifts, the Spirit is the one who's sanctifying, transforming us into the image of Jesus. Now, what is fascinating is what you just mentioned in Catholicism. Yes, there's this call to perfection in your life. But then someone realized along the way, it's like, oh, crap, pun intended. <laughs> we can't make it. Therefore, there's probably this intermediate state before heaven in which the remaining poop that we have is purified, right? Because they don't believe that Christ purified. They don't believe that Christ actually sanctifies. And that's the point where we disagree in the gospel, right? Because when you get to heaven, Christ is fully going to pay for your sin. If he doesn't, you won't make it to heaven. There is no purgatory, right? There, and it, purgatory doesn't even do anything. It doesn't, it, it doesn't actually pay for any sin. It wouldn't, right? Um, Jesus is the only way. Purgatory is not a second way. Only Jesus is the way you're sanctified. And uh, Justified. because of Jesus' resurrection and uh, the book of Revelation and whatnot, Jesus promises us a resurrected body or a glorified yes. body, yep. um, i.e. one that is not crap. Um, and we'll not have like the same desires right. and temptations that our current uh, state has. Yep. And that's the hope of this whole Christian hope of resurrection, right? Is we have, we have, um, the second life now we have eternal life right now because our spirits have been revived, but we will die bodily and our, our body still sins, right? So our body still sins. Our, as Paul says, the spirit fights against the flesh. So when you sin, it is your flesh. It is you. You're still culpable for it, right? But it's. It's your flesh. So when he gives us a new body, we will no longer have sinful flesh, and therefore we will no longer have that sinful inclination that we have today. So even Catholics are on the same boats as us because we all die unless the right. Pope becomes immortal, which I highly <laughs> doubt, meaning we're, you're imperfect in this life. Yeah. So you're still in the same boat at the end as Protestants. The difference is that we know that Christ is going to fulfill through the Spirit by giving us a second body. Yep. And also the difference is that Protestants get resurrected right away, whereas Catholics have to go through purgatory <laughs> first um, before they can purge or <laughs> to get the, <laughs> the Catholicism purged out of them. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> well, uh, honestly, so if they don't have the real gospel, they're going to be thinking purgatory is a little long because it'll be lasting, oh, I don't know, eternity. Because you don't have the gospel. If you, if you don't have the gospel, you aren't justified. You won't go to heaven. Mm -hmm. Acceptable in the eyes of God. Charming, right? Naturally, this has a tremendous effect. It is charming. Martin Luther is very not charming. ...is expected of the Christian following their justification. Since, in Luther's eyes, there is no hope of ever becoming anything other than a sinner. And because the Christian... Okay, charming. what do you think a sinner is, right? Like, you're a sinner too. We're all sinners, right? So we're justified sinners, like Luther is saying, like Paul says. But, yeah, you will... you To, to say otherwise is to deny First John. So I don't even know where he's getting at this, because this isn't even like regular... Catholic theology to say that you're not a sinner anymore. ...is as justified by Christ at the moment of their initial justification as they ever will be. There is no essential need for further conversion or purification. It's, it's just a misrepresentation. I mean, we keep saying that. It was just a misrepresentation. Luther also believes in sanctification. You don't have a monopoly on that. It's not like the Protestant church has abandoned sanctification. There are some offsets of the Protestant, Protestant church that we would not call fellow brothers, um, like we said, that deny the lordship of Christ. But... Um, regular Protestants believe in sanctification too. It's just 
because your, your justification comes from Christ, that does not change from the day you're justified to the day you'll be judged, right? Because it's all Christ. Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. It's not your works that will be judged. It'll be Christ's works in, in place of yours. That's yeah. the whole gospel. Did we suddenly forget that the Puritans exist or existed? Right. You know, sanctification, living out your Christian faith. So, yeah, I don't understand. It's, prob it's probably the fact that this Holy Spirit is not in a catholic priest therefore you have such a high view of man that you don't think sin is that bad i mean that's the impression i'm getting that's this is my opinion it's just the impression i'm getting and also if you have a system in which you can work that out you're not going to have such a s negative view on yourself right. nor on sin because you have your sacraments purgatory if in case you don't make it you know you have that backup so I think that's a little bit where it comes from, and particularly again, him. That's yeah. the impression I'm getting. And it's not just extra biblical; it is anti-biblical, and that's our problem here. Right? If it was just extra biblical, we could we could say you're wrong and we could get along. But it's actually anti-biblical, which is why we make such a strong distinction. So it's not that we hate you; it's that we we read the Bible, we see that that God hates this philosophy, we see that Paul explicitly calls it again a rejection of the gospel, and so we also say that. So we mm -hmm. do not believe you're saved if you hold to this. So it's not just a matter of difference of opinion; it's a matter of rejecting the actual gospel itself. Because really, who can top what Christ has already done? No further works can increase this, nor can they take it away. Right. All that then, why is there the treasury of merit in heaven? Well, he's going to say, right? matters, both in receiving justification or potentially losing it, is our complete trust in Christ. This does not mean, as Catholics might criticize, that Protestants believe that they can do anything they want as long as they have faith. I mean, some do, but not the, <laughs> not the proper ones. While it's true that no good work, no matter how good, can merit anything more than we have already received, and so works for a Protestant don't have an essential... That's not true, though. We get we do get rewards based off of what we do in life. So he's even wrong there. I kind of it's kind of a weird embarrassment. I understand Catholic, so he's got the tradition involved. But the Bible does not paint the picture he does. Right? We are rewarded for what we do on earth. Now there are works set before us. Right? But God gives a whole analogy of somebody's given five talents, another servant's given two, and another given one, each according to their ability. The one who's given one, of course, is not saved. The one who's given two doubles his, and now he has four. The one who's given five gets eleven actually, because he gets the the last guy's one too, and he doubles his own. So he gets more reward. Both him and the guy who's given two talents um, both go and enjoy with the master forever. So both are in paradise, right? Both end up in heaven. Both both Christians in this case end up in heaven. But one of them is gifted with more because he did more, right? And he was given it to be done. So it's a gift of God granted him. Um, so we do earn stuff by works here on earth. But it's not so we can boast, right? Because it's a gift given by God. And then two, it's not our justification. It's an extra thing, right? It's not. It doesn't have to do with justifying us. It's just extra reward ironically the verse that catholics quote to demonstrate purgatory shows our position in which our works will be tested by fire what we have done in our life right and those who have wasted their life they're going to suffer loss because it's going to be all burned up in right. heavenly fire whereas those who have built stuff made of gold meaning we have lived out our christian life well we're going to receive rewards in heaven. I'm going to keep those rewards in heaven. Right. But that has nothing to do with your salvation. That's just how good of a steward, as you said, with the talents. Yeah. Ironically, you should know, because that's what Catholics go all the time to demonstrate purgatory. Right. That's that it's the very text that says you're just rewarded, right? It's extra. Yeah. Effect on salvation. Works still matter. Jesus says that you will know a tree by its fruit. Good works necessarily flow from a true faith that has been justified. And so Christians are expected to do good things, not because they cause our justification, but because they are a natural effect of it. We totally agree. In this way, mm -hmm. rather than saying that Lutherans believe that salvation is the result of faith alone, implying a disconnect from works, it might be more appropriate to say that they believe that they are justified by faith, which issues forth in works. Good works are not an option for Protestants. Yeah. 
Catholics. And in many ways, this ultimate formula isn't too far off from what Catholics actually profess. You're right. It's not a little. It's, it's just barely off, just barely enough to become heresy, like, again, Galatians would say. But how we get there is quite different. For starters, Catholics have a far more positive view of the human person. Oh, wow. Weird. So when when the key central aspect of the Reformation was calling you semi-Pelagians, calling Catholics semi-Pelagians because you're not full Pelagians, semi-Pelagians, believing that you can work out your salvation, um, it's correct, isn't it? Isn't that what you're proving here? I mean, that, that's really the problem that the Lutherans and Catholics should have been touching on is, are you semi-Pelagians, not are you full Pelagians? We, we didn't think you were full Pelagians. While we accept with Luther that our nature has been corrupted by the weight of sin, we believe that our nature is essentially good. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm only flustered because this was not always the Catholic belief. And I don't even just mean like prior to Trent or whatever, back when the Catholic Church was the Christian Church and we were mm -hmm. all together, right? We shared the same history up until 1556 or whatever. Or what's the date? 1563? I forget when the Council on Trent is. Um, 1545. Okay, whatever. Um, this statement here, we believe that our nature is essentially good, is... Um, not even from that time. I don't know. I don't know when this entered Catholic theology. Probably Vatican II. It's not, not the Catholic Church that I'm familiar with. Even at the Council of Trent, they don't say this. It's not evil, and that God's justifying grace can return us to our former state of goodness. The Wait, our former. We were born in original sin. I, mean, I don't even think this is regular Catholic theology. This well, is like to, some weird in his, water de in his defense, stuff. in his defense, when I was a kid growing up in a Catholic school, and it was supposedly a good, reputable Catholic school in Lima, in Peru, you do the impression that we got was that Je by the by his atoning death Jesus raised the bar for humanity meaning before him we were all lost hence why he had to die hence why we're now brought up to a neutral state I see okay so universalism in a way yes but then you can even though you've been brought up by Jesus if you do not belong to the Catholic Church as a good conservative Catholic might say you're still going to hell because okay, but never you got the option, right? You everybody's extended this prevenient grace. Yes, right. yes, oh yes, exactly, prevenient right. grace. Yes, okay. and then you need baptism to wash away original sin. You need the sacraments to be infused by grace, etc., etc. Okay. Thus, when Catholics say that someone is justified, they do not mean that God has simply overlooked our sinfulness, but rather that our very beings are changed. So Protestants, whoa. <laughs> the Council of Trent, speaking of these effects, proclaims that justification is not remission of sins merely, but also the sanctification and renewal of the inward man. Okay, so here's actually the problem, right? So this is, you say it's not that different, but it's kind of like keely different. When you say it's not the remission of sins merely, justification is actually, as a concept, justification, being justified before God, is actually merely the remission of sins, which isn't a very mere thing. It's a huge thing, you know, it required Christ's death. It's not the sanctification and renewal of the inward man. That happens after justification, so it comes with it, but justification as a categorical thing itself is just how you're justified before God is not sanctification. This is faith in works. So when you come up and you start the episode and you copy whatever like little, um, little collar wearing Catholic priest says, and that is, uh, you know, you say we believe in faith and works, but we don't really believe that. This statement right here is faith and works defined. It's defined. You're saying justification is faith and sanctification, which is works. We both believe in sanctification. So it's not that Protestants don't believe in works. But as we keep saying, it's not part of salvation. And those who believe it's part of salvation reject the gospel. That's the simple Galatians fact, simple gospel fact. Believing that you can do it, that man is essentially good, is prideful. It is rejection of Ephesians 2, 8 through 9, right? It's not just little bits of scripture. It's like all of the epistles of Paul and Jesus' core teaching. So you get you get the Trinity right, excellent. You get the fact that we have original sin, excellent, right? You get that, you, that, that Jesus came to pay for sinners, 
excellent. You get that Jesus was born of a virgin. Mm. Molto bene, okay? <laughs> but you reject what you need to receive the salvation. You say that you receive him as your Lord and Savior, and you still have to do more work, which would be rejecting him as your Lord and Savior. That's like having him as your side Savior, and then your own right hand is your other Savior, which is, um, of course, faithlessness. So that's why we would call the Catholic Church apostate. They once were Christian with us, and they left at the Council of Trent officially, right? Churches come in and out, just like there's plenty of Protestant churches, Protestant churches that leave the faith all the time, right? The Catholic Church is just one that left. This may sound very basic, and it's like, What's the big deal of mixing the two? This is really where they get it wrong. Same with the Eastern Orthodox. They mix sanctification and justification. I think tell me tell me if you guys think this is a fair comparison to how essential this is. You remember the Christological controversies back in the early church, like the four hundreds, five hundreds, in which they say, Is the nature of Jesus, is it mixed? His human nature, is yeah. it complete is it mixed that it just becomes a new thing? Are they separate? separate? Like Nestor, uh, ironically, Nestorius didn't say this, but his followers, Theodore, Theodore, Theodore of Mopsuestia, said this: human, divine, nothing, nothing mixes. The the Orthodox, like the with a little O, yes. is that they are distinct. You can see them, but they are fully Jesus, fully human, fully divine. Likewise, what these people are doing here, the Catholic Church and Orthodox is doing with a big O. There's, they are mixing sanctification and justification. What Protestants say is, you can't have one without the other. Right. But they're but they clearly, distinct. clearly distinct. Yes. They're not mixed. They're justified. You're justified first, and now your sanctification begins. Yeah. You see? And it, is that and, fair? And it is key because to say otherwise is to say that those who aren't getting sanctified aren't justified, which we can't say, right? We can say we know the tree by its fruit, so we can make an inference. Oh, I don't think that person is bearing fruit. I don't think they're actually justified, right? But that's, they're not justified by the works, right? Because to say otherwise is to say that Jesus didn't pay your full price and that you are responsible for your own salvation. So the, even if Jesus lets you in, that's the problem. That's why it's a rejection of the gospel. And it brings in some more scripture. Yeah. Um, yeah, so God never tells us to basically work for, grasp, or attain salvation or justification like that, but um, continue, uh, continually told to work out our salvation in sanctification. Mm -hmm. So Second Peter 1, verse 10, Make every effort to be sure of your calling and election, for by doing this you will never stumble into sin. And Philippians 2, 12 to 13 this has never stood out to me so much as now. Um, it says, continue working out your salvation with awe and reverence for the one bringing forth in you both the desire and the effort for the sake of his good pleasure is God. So, yeah, and what you're pointing out there is that God is the one pushing this in, right? And it's, right. it's um, confirming your election, right? It's not causing your election, right? It's just confirming the fact that you are elect, that God did choose you. So again, God is the initiator and the finisher of your salvation, of your salvation. And when we say salvation, it includes justification and sanctification combined, right? So that's why, yes, salvation is an issue where you have both faith and works. But justification, just the justification part, is purely through faith. And that's not a faith in yourselves, it's God's gift. So that, and, and you might think that's a non-important distinction, but Paul makes an important distinction, right? And Jesus rejects the Pharisees and the Judaizers are rejected by the church that push otherwise. So you are the equivalent of the Judaizers. Not surprising because 
the Catholic Church also carries a done of tradition, and they say it's oral tradition that just wasn't written down, just like the Pharisees. So it's not surprising that you fall into the same traps that people do, right? And it's not even like, oh, the Catholic Church is uniquely evil. What I mean to say, it's not uniquely evil. It's 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 ununiquely evil, right? It's been this way for years. There have been movements like that for years. So this is a long-lasting one. And the fact that it was once a Christian church and has fell apostate is a much more messy um, distinction line versus like Mormons who never were a part of the Christian church. You can just point to them and say, yep, not real, sorry, right? They really are not from the line of Christianity. Catholics were from the line of Christianity and have since left. Just like liberal Protestants who believe that Jesus didn't really exist or that he wasn't really God, but he's like, quote unquote, God they also have left the church. They're also apostate, right? So they claim to be from the, the long line of Christian tradition, but they aren't because they've left the gospel and the same with the Catholic Church. For a live reaction on that, watch our reaction video to Pastor Don. That's Pastor the Don, embodiment, oh the gosh. full embodiment Woo. of what apostasy. If think we, yeah, if you think we just yell at Catholics, we don't. <laughs> <laughs> Try to be consistent with scripture. And finally, I'll say this because in this video and already, and, and we'll say too, that that this is a salvation issue, right? Salvation is the whole thing. Like I just said, justification and sanctification is salvation is inclusive of all of them. Um, James, famous line from James, and James is quoted by Catholics all the time to say that what good is faith without works, right? That's in James 2. Equally in James 2, actually before, before that very famous line, he says this, for whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles at just one point is guilty of breaking it all. Meaning that if you have been sanctified you're being sanctified you've been justified you're being sanctified right so you're slowly turning that poop into gold right through through the lord um the fact that you have any poop at all meaning you have any part of yourself that breaks the law is as bad as if you were all poop as far as it comes to justification right you're guilty of breaking the whole law and therefore would not enter heaven with any speck of it and Catholics agree with that because they believe for the need for purgatory. It's just that purgatory is not a biblical way of purging sin. There's only one way to forgive sins, and that's through Jesus Christ, not through a purging, not through an effort. And that's it's not true on earth. You can't purge sin through effort on earth, and you can't purge it through purgatory, right? Only Jesus Christ purges sin, and he does it fully. He's a perfect Savior. Let's let him keep going. We always do this. And through the voluntary reception of the grace and of the gifts whereby man of unjust becomes just and of an enemy a friend, that so he may be an heir according to hope of life everlasting. In other words, through justification, we are not simply poop covered in snow, but people who have gone through internal purification. We agree. We agree. But like we just quoted from James, you are being sanctified, but because you have even a fleck of poop inside of the, the poop snowball here, it's, it's as bad as just being fully pooped, right? If you break one part of the law, even if it's just one part, it's as bad as breaking the whole law. So that's just, it's just straight scripture, right? These little statements he's giving from the Council of Trent right here, these guys on the side of the screen that are just his own sayings. Um, notice they're not scripture um, because they are actually consistent with scripture. Christ does not just cover us up, but lives in us and transforms us into something good in ourselves. Now, we agree with that, right? But you want to quote the scripture in context for why that happens. And, and the other scripture that talks about being poo. Once again, this perspective has a tremendous effect on what is expected of the Christian following their justification. Since in the Catholic Church's eyes, there is not only hope, but a profound expectation that our very beings be transformed. And since this obviously does not happen the moment we emerge from the waters of baptism, the act of justification cannot be spoken of as just a single moment. It's kind of weird because sometimes the, the sanctification starts before the baptism. Like in Acts, where there's believers that are baptized by the Holy Spirit, but aren't yet baptized by water. Right? You know the story where the Apostle Peter comes and says, how can we withhold the waters of baptism from these men? For they clearly have been baptized by the same Holy Spirit as us. Um, there they are being sanctified, right? They've been dwelt by the Spirit of Jesus, by, by the Holy Spirit. And so 
spirits indwelling them. They're doing good works. They're being sanctified. And yet they haven't been baptized. So it's almost like God does what he wants. And baptism is just a symbol of you coming to him. And that's why it's prescribed, but it's not required. Um, it's almost like that. It's almost like that. <laughs> I'll let him Instead, one is justified, that is, included into the community of God, but also must continue through a process of sanctification, cooperating with the grace of God to allow God to flourish in us. To some extent, I agree with the word cooperation, right? Because like we have read, you've given several quotes, Theodore in particular, that God is the one that's working out our salvation in us. So the call is for us, like work out your salvation in awe and reverence, fear and trembling, whatever your translation is for Philippians. So we are participating in that way, like we're along for the ride of our sanctification. But God is actually the driver. So it depends on what you mean by cooperating. Like um, if you have a father and his two-year-old son, and they're carrying like a huge mattress, right? And the three and the two-year-old son goes like, "Daddy, let me help you." And the dad like lets him touch the mattress, right? While he's like having it upstairs. Okay, who's who's like carrying the mattress? Clearly not the two-year-old, right? The two-year-old is literally probably only hurting the effort. Actually, is like getting in the way. He's not <laughs> contributing literally one iota to mm -hmm. the lifting of the mattress. That is us with sanctification with God. So we're there, like we're right next to the mattress as it's being lifted, and we're like touching it, right? We are us. And we're being sanctified, so we're along for the ride. So in that way, we're cooperating. But we're not actually adding to it, just like the two-year-old isn't really adding anything. In fact, it's getting in the way of the sanctification. Um, so equally, yeah, we cooperate in that we are there when we're being sanctified, and we are the ones being sanctified. But we aren't actually the, um, the ones driving the effort God is. And so that effort pushes through us. Like We end up being the ones that, that do the things that God appoints for us to do. So that again, in that way, we're cooperating, but it's not to our own boasting. It's not our own free choice. It's actually God through us. And I wouldn't have it any other way. Like any Christian, I'm sure, and maybe you guys can relate, maybe not, maybe your, your audience can or cannot, um, can relate to the thought that I just want God to force me to be good. And eventually we will be purely sanctified and no longer sin, like we were talking about when the body is, is dead and then we're raised in new bodies, right? We will be fully made good. And I think any Christian would totally exchange their sovereignty of their own will to say, yes, God, have your way in me, make me pure. Now, God has his own ways and he's doing this in a slower process than we would like, but his way is perfect. We trust in him. But in any case, um, it's not a bad thing to give up your sovereignty for God's sovereignty. That's the whole thing of having God as your Lord. Wow. It's almost as if that's what Jesus said at the garden, have your will be done, not my will. Yep. So, yeah, I do. Pr I do pray that too. And it's like, change me now, please. Right. Yeah. Because you recognize your own sin. Yep. It is not enough to passively allow grace to declare us justified. We must actively take up the task of growing in righteousness. And we accomplish this by doing good works, right? Depends on what you mean by must. Because yes, it is a it is a thing that follows sanctification, but it's not actually the thing that 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 saves you. That's the whole again. We keep reiterating it. it's not the justification. That is why Protestants will constantly bring this up, and Catholics go Ugh! and others, even Lutherans sometimes, because it doesn't have baptism either. And Presbyterians will go, Ugh! don't use that. It's such a unique uh, thing that happened. The thief on the cross that ends up getting saved, right? That Jesus turns to and says, "Today you'll be with me in paradise." That thief does not get baptized. He also does not do any good works except for the belief, right? He, he recants there on the mm -hmm. cross and says, he makes Jesus his Lord there on the cross. He's fully justified, just like we are when we confess and believe. We are fully justified when we repent and believe in this life. We are called to, to good works, like we keep saying, right? God's going to sanctify us. He's going to finish the work he started in us. However, the bare necessity need was just the justification. So that, that thief on the cross did not go through purgatory. He had a ton of crap. He was still crap. Like you got to imagine 
He wasn't suddenly transformed into a perfect human being right there on his cross, right? He still had all his baggage from previous life, but he was indwelt by the Holy Spirit. He was made new. His heart was changed, but it was still need. It was still in need of sanctification. Anybody who would claim that that, that thief was suddenly perfect and that's why he was going to be able to go to heaven is pretty insane, right? He's being hung on a cross for evil, you know, bad enough thievery that mm-hmm. he's being killed for it. So we would all say um, that that thief was with Christ in paradise that day, just as Christ says. And then also, he didn't require a huge process of sanctification. So the justification alone is enough, and that's the problem here. You believe in faith and works. We believe in faith alone, and then works after that. Interestingly enough, neither the Council of Trent nor the Catechism use the word works once to describe this process. Whoa, it's almost like they knew the controversy and didn't want to say it, because otherwise it'd be called heretics. Well, I still call them heretics, so just that. <laughs> Instead, when the church speaks of cooperating with the grace of God, what it refers to is one's participation and growth in the theological virtues. No, we didn't say works. We said works with an E. It's totally different, but it means the exact same thing. I mean, <laughs> participation in the growth of the virtue. That is, that's the works, you crazy man. <laughs> Faith, hope, and love. For Catholics, actions matter, not because they achieve our salvation separate from God or simply because they... Re- well, yes, no one is saying it's separate from God. That's the Pelagians. Yeah, that would be the Pelagians. Yes, we agree that you know it's not separate from God, but you are saying that it's from you instigated. Right, and it's not. Also, that it's required for justification, which it's not. Like, where's your scripture, man? Reveal a salvation already received, but because they integrate, it's form, and grow what God instills in us, namely God's very self. Thus, in accepting and cooperating with these gifts, we do not simply engage in pointless do-goodery, but participate in the life of God, making us more like God ourselves. We all agree, but it's not justification, which is what the Council of Trump was called for. Hey, rather than saying that Catholics believe that salvation comes from faith and works, as if they were two separate criteria disconnected from God's initiative, it might be more appropriate to say that we believe that we are initially justified by faith in God, but that justification is an ongoing process of <laughs> sanctification. Wow! I'm so glad you nuanced that. Um, you do know that nuance in French, I think, means shadowed. I think, is it nuanced French or is it Latin? In any case, it means like to shade. I think it's French, to, meaning to shade. Because um, you just obfuscated the exact... This is justification by works. I'm so glad you've made the waters muddied because instead of saying you believe in justification faith and works, you say initial, ju- initially justified by faith in God, but the justification is an ongoing process of sanctification that requires us to respond to love, which is works. Like, go touch yourself. That's, that, okay. why are you obfuscating? <laughs> so what Michael is trying to say is that <laughs> simply to get this right, just put a not um, in, in between is and and. Justification is not an ongoing process. Rather, sanctification is the ongoing process working out the justification, which is a momentary thing given, provided, started, finished uh, by God. Yeah, so if you just change this to be the opposite, then it is true. You're right. Thank <laughs> you. Very similar words. I agree. And you can get this from the catechism of the Catholic Church. Even if he's going to muddy the waters, I think the catechism is a little bit more straightforward. Since the initiative belongs to God in the order of grace, no one can merit the initial grace of forgiveness and justification. Praise God. Amen. Okay, yes. Shema Israel. Again, take that allegiance. <laughs> At the beginning of conversion, moved by the Holy Spirit and by charity, <laughs> works <laughs> we can then merit for ourselves and for others the graces needed for our sanctification merits charity yes all those are works did someone say works oh no yeah. i think they don't i think i don't think it's in here we can mer- okay. do control f you will not find works <laughs> <laughs> you actually cannot so props yeah. to the props to that they have modernized 
Okay, for, where was I? For the merit of ourselves and for others, the grace is needed for sanctification, for the increase of grace and charity, and for the attainment of eternal life. Again, what is meriting something? It is working for something, earning something. It's all the same thing. It's literal semantics. It's not even like meaningful semantics. It's unmeaningful semantics. To merit something is to work for it. That requires us to respond with love, which doesn't have the greatest ring to it, and you can see why we like to oversimplify these things. But it also shows where our true differences lie, and more importantly, how we have been able, in recent years, to agree on common statements on the subject. I'm so hopeful to see <laughs> the Lutherans who have just held strong to faith for 500 years. They haven't had any scandals about accepting gay clergy. They haven't had any scandals about allowing the Nazis to reign. They haven't had any scandals about anything, those German Lutherans. So I'll, I hold them as the pillar of the faith. In 1999, more than 400 years after the issue of justification tore the church apart, Lutherans and Catholics were able to come together around a common resolution. The present joint declaration has this intention, namely to show that on the basis of their dialogue, the subscribing Lutheran churches and the Roman Catholic Church are now able to articulate a common understanding of our justification by God's grace through faith in Christ. What's funny is that they could have done this 400 years ago because they agreed on the stupid <laughs> same point 400 years ago. Did and we like forget said, what, the, what, the, what the controversy was? Uh, he said the subscribing Lutheran churches. So again, not all the Lutheran churches, even though Michaelette uh, <laughs> likes to bash the Lutheran church. There's still good Lutherans in yes, Germany. It's so, just some weird... Well, I don't know how many in Germany, but here in the U.S., <laughs> there's some good Lutherans. Yeah, I agree. Just, I mean, there's, you know, there's always going to be bad churches within yes. the church. That's just how it is. It does not cover all that either church teaches about justification. It does encompass a consensus on basic truths of the doctrine of justification and shows that the remaining differences in this explication are no longer the occasion for doctrinal condemnations. Are there still some differences? Of course. <laughs> but through prayerful dialogue, Lutherans no longer consider Catholics Pelagians and Catholics no longer... They never did. They never did. They consider Lutherans lazy hypocrites. They never did. They never did. They consider them... Heretics. So that seems like a step in the right direction. And I think there's a really important lesson in this. Here we have a topic that by all accounts caused the Reformation. For centuries, it kept the Western church apart in a largely bitter rivalry. And yet when we actually sit down and listen to the other explain what they believe, agreeing on common language to express our theology, what we find is that the vast oversimplifications we have used to attack one another are quite different from what we actually believe. They're literally the exact same thing. <laughs> In fact, I, I, I would agree with you. Sometimes there are like oversimplifications. Like when you say that, that Luther just believes that you stay a sinner. I'm like, okay, there is, there is like extra there, right? You're just leaving out the beautiful part. You're making it seem like super harsh. Um, it is kind of harsh, but whatever. I mean, I kind of like super harsh, but it's not as, it's, there's, there is sanctification in Lutherism. Like, okay, yes, there warrants some explanation. I want to give you time to explain. But when you explain, and it's literally the exact same thing, except you added like 40 words to it, but it means the exact same thing. It means faith and works, right? I have no patience for it. No patience. So all that was accomplished in this video was we just had a history lesson of the Council of Carthage in which Pelagianism was condemned. Right. Which we already agreed. Like that wasn't the Reformation. The Reformation was not Pelagianism. That had already been, like you said, Council of Carthage already nailed out. But isn't it beautiful that we all agree on that? It's so beautiful. <laughs> that we, uh, we also agree that Jesus Christ is God and the Trinity is true. So yeah, there are a lot of things we agree on. But, you know... Arians also believe that Jesus was required for salvation and that he came to earth and was God's son. They just happened to believe, you know, just a tiny little thing that he wasn't always God. And they're heretics. They're heretics. So it might seem small, but they are heresy. It does not save you. People who are part of the Arian movement were not saved. And that, Catholics would admit that too. Same with the Pelagians, right? They just have this little tiny thing that expands to like a million other things. Um, 
that that faith does not save you. So equally, this faith that believes that it's faith and works, because that's what it is, or maybe just if you prefer the nuance and s- replace whatever I just said with the giant paragraph you shared, um, that's what the Catholics believe. That doctrine does not save you. It's not a small thing. We don't agree. That's the, the, the issue of the Reformation was that. One can only imagine how different our church would look today if we had taken this approach in the 16th century. And how much... <laughs> not at all different. Not different at all, because they did take that approach. They both disagreed with Pelagianism back then. It's crazy, crazy. Much better our church and world will look in 400 years if we continue with this approach. <laughs> well, as always, we, we turn a nine-minute video into like an hour. Um, but any closing comments, man? I think I've talked enough. No, I think that's good. I was going to maybe bring him another verse or two, but we'll do an exegesis of First and Second Peter maybe another time. Maybe. We're always talking. It's over 100 episodes now. It's like 121, I think this one will be. Sweet. So again, if you want to see the rest of our episodes about Catholicism, where we go into more depth about exactly why, and it's not just me ranting, I promise you, for the response videos, I'm just a little more fiery. Um, we do have some more in-depth Catholicism episodes that tackle it more in-depth, and we compare scriptures and, and all that, right? So we have plenty of material out on Catholicism on our channel right now. Yes. And as a call to our Catholic friends and Orthodox and the Coptics, and don't forget those as well, that have a very similar system. Mm-hmm. They have their own distinctions, of course, but very similar. What they don't like to tell you is that there's all these skeletons in the closet that you also have to tag on in order to be truly a Christian. I mean, particularly Catholics. You know, the Orthodox have their own stuff as well. But once you get into this train, as with James, the brother of Jesus said, I'm taking another stab at it too. <laughs> another stab at the Catholic belief, yeah, yeah, yeah. Huh? yeah, yeah, yeah. The perpetual virginity of Mary. So once you get on that trail, you cannot miss the mark at all once you're in the path of the law. If you break a single thing, if you have a, even one atom of poop in your body, you are not able to stand in the presence of a perfect God. Purgatory is not an option. You can see that with your own eyes in the Bible. You can see that even in the early church, there was no such thing as purgatory. You either went to heaven or you went to hell. Mm-hmm. Not some intermediary place. It's just a convenient thi- way to excuse our lack of perfection in this life. But you don't have to if you believe that Jesus fully paid for our price, which is the call of the gospel. That is how you have peace with God. This system that Romanism, the, the Roman church gives, does not give you peace with God because something they don't tell you is you can commit a mortal sin even despite even if you're sanctifying, even if you have been justified in their mind, even as you have go to church, be baptized, you have your unction. If you commit a mortal sin, God will just say no to all that you have done. You can no longer be you have just thrown poop again in yourself, all the things that you did, and you can end up in hell. You do not have peace with God. Didn't David say, Blessed is the man whom the Lord will not impute sin upon him. Yep. Paraphrasing here. The reason why sin is not imputed in us is because Christ took that upon himself. That's the whole point of the cross. It's not to bring humanity to some neutral standpoint. It is literally to take everything away from you. All of your sin belongs to Christ now. That is how you have peace with God, by, rep- by following what he did, what he commanded us to do. Repent and believe. Yep. Repent, turn from your sins, put it all in Christ. Because he is your only salvation, you cannot earn. You cannot hope. You cannot even hope to stand in the presence of God with your own sins. You will go straight to hell, and believe, trust that He will provide. In this, not only in the com- in the future life, but in this one as well. That is our call to 
the true and living gospel, not some dead gospel right. that doesn't bring you any peace or salvation at all. And like you're preaching here, Sebastian, the call to all of our Catholic neighbors is to do just that, right? You're close, so come the rest of the way. Fully repent. Repent and trust in Jesus alone, right? It's God alone that saves. So trust fully in Jesus. Repent and turn from your sin. All the sanctification is included, right? Leave leave the Roman Catholic Church and come to a living church, right? The church is big and broad, so it doesn't exactly look like, I'm sure, what church I go to or Sebastian goes to or theater goes to. We actually all three go to different um, church denominations. It's, well, different local churches at least, so it's not uh, a dogmatic, you have to come to my particular local church, and it's the only one that's right, but come to a Christian church who believes the core centers of the gospel. God has a huge and large and everlasting church that was founded back then in, in 33 uh, AD and is still living today. It's just not the Roman Catholic Church. And that is why we found our, our cause in serving the Lord Jesus Christ. Thanks for listening. If you want to see the rest of our episodes, you can go to foundcause.podbe.com and look them up for your listening pleasure. It's audio only, though. If you want to see our beautiful faces, you have to go to youtube.com and look us up on Found Cause or go to facebook.com forward slash Found Cause. I've been Michael Van behind the machine. To my right is, or left has been Theodore under the PC, the person of Christ. His left has been Sebastian the Bookkeeper. Thanks for listening. Till we see each other next time for something completely different, I think. Bye.